Okay, hello everybody and welcome to episode one of the Reg Technicians podcast. This podcast is going to be covering many topics, but mainly to do with key trends around regulation and compliance to do with financial institutions and the emerging technologies around that and the growing impact that they have. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Shane Brett, CEO and co-founder, and my boss of Gecko <laughs> Government. Hello, Shane. Hey, good morning. How are things, Patrick? Fantastic. And a very happy birthday to you as oh, well. Thank you very much. <laughs> you forgot special to mention day the, today, yeah, 6th Patrick, of October. That's right. Patrick forgot to mention it's his birthday today, so yeah, we'll have to go easy on you. <laughs> Great. Okay, so this is the first episode of this podcast. I hope you're going to enjoy it, and if people do enjoy it, we're going to keep them going. So we're going to start off today... Shane, tell us a little bit about Gecko Governance and what is Gecko Governance? Yeah, so I'll tell you a bit about the company and also myself and how, how we've kind of, exactly. how, how, this, how this has all happened basically. Okay. So I've, I've been working in the funds industry, financial services for 20 years. I just realized actually it's 20 years last week. Years <laughs> God, I know, I can't, I can't believe that. And that was, that was all around the world here in Dublin and obviously in, in, in the UK, in London and Edinburgh, but also over in the US, as far afield as South Africa, you know, in Australia, New Zealand for years as well. So a number of years ago, after the financial crisis, I set up a consultancy in London, and that was around trying to address the avalanche of regulation that was coming out, you know, um, post-2008. That had a huge impact on the funds industry and, uh, and banking, obviously, as well. So the consultancy at the time would help um, in, um, put in place and implement new pieces of regulation. So I wrote a couple of books around that area. and. Uh, I had a couple of clients who were also big fintech at the time companies who had built you know regulatory regulation and um, re reporting type solutions and i kind of advised them at the time you need to build something which is not just for one piece of regulation like fatca or form mm -hmm. pf or mm -hmm. aifmd reporting but something that addresses the that's holistic so in other words addresses the whole world the of the, problems here exactly that so in other words start off with the the, the idea that a fund manager our bank, particularly on the fund side, is trying to address maybe 60 different pieces of regulation. Mm -hmm. Since the financial crisis, the, 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 the EU has brought 32 pieces of fund regulation alone in banking. So uh, the idea was to build a compliance workflow solution that we started off in funds, now we've moved into banking, that would basically provide a top-down, kind of a cockpit of compliance, I'd nearly call it, and would give these fund guys a live view where they were in the process, be able to integrate all that really well with uh, you know, Microsoft 365. And then about a year ago, we realized, well, you know, if you need to be able to prove that a regulator you're compliant, not just tell them, but really show them in detail, then that using the blockchain was a really good way to prove out the yes. audit trail of compliance, to pull them into that. So, so that was kind of the thinking behind it. And that probably, that probably kicked off about three years ago, initially, here in Ireland. And uh, as, we, as we grew and took on clients, it kind of became obvious that the, 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 the larger players in particular were trying to address compliance on a global basis. So it made sense then to open up and expand around the world exactly. to be able to put in place a model that could support those guys, what they call the follow the sun. You know, follow the sun model. Exactly, exactly. exactly. So because, you know, who's going to, if you have a client in Hong Kong and they're at three o'clock in the morning, like who are they going to call? Cool. Exactly. Like, you know, so, so, that's, exactly, so they yeah. need some local support. So what we've worked on this year in January, setting up in New York and rolling out there really was, has been a great experience. And then in, in May, also over in Australia, which is a huge fund center. And then the idea being that there will be a, that global model in place that then you can have lean initially as a you know a small company, but that you can scale them very quickly as you expand and basically address these global kind of compliance challenges. Exactly. So one of the key words that you mentioned there, and I've got a lot of hype around that, is the blockchain piece. And this is something that me and you know a lot, a lot about because we're obviously been 
delving into the blockchain for since yeah. when do, when do we set this up September last year yeah. I joined the team in January exactly so obviously there's a lot of hype in this area one of the reasons we actually focused on New York first was because in America you know our American cousins are such early adopters of technology of they're always looking particularly on the hedge fund side anything that will kind of give them an edge in the market or maybe some kind of opportunity to, to be more efficient you know mm-hmm. operationally and then of course there's that's the carrot but then the big stick at the back of it is the regulator you know Absolutely. <laughs> if you get this wrong you know in Europe they might find you in America there's a very long list of people who are you know who are in jail exactly yeah so exactly it's no longer just enough to be able to say you're compliant and be compliant you have to be able to prove well it, that's right? it so it's about proving out that whole process so if you take a good example which would be every fund in the world every bank takes in money you know mm-hmm. be it as a subscription into a fund or, or you know or money coming into a bank account there's a whole anti-money laundering KYC process they call around that mm-hmm. so you have to obviously ensure your investors are compliant but the whole process around that is a really good example of what you can use a blockchain for so not just all sending in their passport or what they call hot issues in America, also the FATCA or CRS declaration. Going forward, the regulators globally, especially in the key four or five fund jurisdictions, have made it clear that they're going to be more detailed and aggressive about what they want to see in your compliance process. So it's not just enough to see that, yes, we've done an AML check, they want to see the process behind that, mm-hmm. and also potentially have access to it as well. So because you can set up um, each of these external entities, like a regulator or an investor, um, as what they call a node on a blockchain, you can give them a private permission to access to, to your compliance audit trail for whatever piece they need to see. You know? So that's that's the big piece that you just mentioned there, um, node or the anchor, I've also heard them called, um, and that being permission and private. Although everyone thinks now of blockchain, the first thing that comes to their mind is open transparency. Yeah. But realistically in the world, how can open transparency over everything be realistic? It can't be. Yeah, and financial right. services companies are exactly Especially very private. And, and I mean, I would not want my own personal bank details out there. Absolutely in the cloud, you know? So there's all, there's all that that has to be managed as well. You know, And, and one of the interesting things over the last couple of weeks, since the end of the summer, you know, as August finishes and people get back to their desks, this is the kind of the, the conference time of year. And yes. so, so in kind of coming to this podcast, one of the things we thought about over the last couple of weeks was some of the key trends we've seen in reg tech and mm-hmm. also in, in, in blockchain, blockchain. In, around finance. And what's been really interesting is that we, we exhibited and we're speaking at uh, two of the major conferences over the last week. So that was the, the Reg Tech Summit, which you, you joined me London at. London and Europe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then Dublin was, was, very, uh, was, 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 was very lucky to, to snare the Blockchain for Finance Conference here in Ireland this week. Mm-hmm. And that was a really good opportunity to kind of take the, the pulse of the industry and, and what's happening. So, okay. so when we come back, we're going we're to touch more on what Shane just mentioned about the Reg Tech Summit in um, Europe, which was hosted in London, and the Blockchain for Finance hosted in Dublin. So we just mentioned about the, the conferences and what's companies our size and how important they are to get your, make awareness and let people know about what you're doing and get yeah. information about financial institutions and what they're looking for from companies like ourselves and exactly. other RegTech companies. Exactly. Um, so you guys were at the RegTech Summit Europe last year? That was the first one, that yeah, exactly. First one exactly. Okay, so I didn't attend that one, but yeah. I heard it was very good, and I just attended the recent one last week, Yeah. and I thought that was amazing. So you just compared it to yeah. it straight away? Yeah, it was actually it was a big difference. So the first RegTech Summit last September was 
it was as Regtech was getting was becoming the other the the more the better known baby sister at the time of fintech, fintech of course. but at the but at the time it was it was a lot of even the people there was more awareness like what is Regtech you know how can how can compliance technologies help us whereas this time around so it was more expo, expo, exploratory last year okay. whereas this time around a lot of the big financial institutions that were there they've set up innovation labs and hubs and they have people assigned to you know fintech and the Regtech um basically awareness so they're, they're trying to think about more critically how they can use the technology to make their compliance world easier so um it meant it was from our perspective it was it was great because you're meeting those guys directly mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe just so you know a chief uh, a chief compliance officer yeah. who wouldn't be have a technology bent on them if you like so that was that was really really beneficial and uh, the it was a good this year in particular there was a really good mix from regulators the big financial companies and, and a lot of uh, obviously um, right yeah. tech companies and it was really really um really high Highly qualified people to be speaking, and yeah, and you see, like the FCA were there yeah. and uh, the PRA, so you're, you're PRA, yeah, so you're able to talk to those guys directly. They were looking for feedback from the from the crowd, you know, and uh, there was really good input. People were over from the states and obviously from Luxembourg and Switzerland and Ireland as well. So it's yeah. great. One of the things I, I found very interesting is um, the big, uh, not even just the big, the financial institutions themselves have got sort of two options about how they want to partner or implement with the smaller companies, the reg tech companies. They either they want to innovate themselves yeah. and have a big budget behind yep. it, or they more cost effectively partner with a smaller company sure. and work through that process together. Yeah. And from what I hear and from what I was looking at this year, last year that wasn't really as much of an option to partner with the smaller companies. Yeah. There wasn't as much buzz around, there wasn't much feel around yeah. it. Yeah, and now there definitely seems to be a greater option for people to actually partner with the, reg- the smaller reg tech companies and build out together some sort of a software and a partnership yeah, that can last. exactly. And what I found from the conference, there was some really good advice for some of the legal financial players, so, you know, the Barclays and yeah. the Credit Suisse here in Europe, about, you know, what what they need, essentially, and how companies, how in the reg tech space should be approaching it. Okay. The, so, uh, the moderator made a really good point saying that companies like ourselves mm-hmm. were sending in all these brochures saying, you know, we can, it's all the usual, you know, blockchain, machine learning, yeah. AI, all this great stuff we can do, function, amazing functionality. And she said, guys, what you need to be doing is approaching us with the solution you are going to solve for us. In other words, what problem that we live in can you address? Because yeah. for these big companies, you know, it's like turning a battleship uh, and to get them interested and to be able to kind of critically address whatever that problem may be, it be it bank stress testing, due diligence, yeah. um, anti-money laundering, you know, overall fund compliance, that you need to be targeted around the solution that you are solving for them, as opposed to how great you are, you're amazing, you yeah. know, all singing, all dancing piece of technology. R- ripping the band-aid off quickly. They want to know how you can get rid of this pain yeah. very quickly. That's exactly Instead it. of just pulling it slowly, they want to be able to know how you can get in and get yeah. this pain quickly. Exactly. Remove it from there to make it more efficient, cost-effectiveness and solve a problem that they have pain about completely so we so in other words focus on the on what identify what they consider are their low hanging fruits that cause the mm-hmm. maximum pain and then be able to address it you know and interestingly we uh, w- w- the, the guys from EY um, Ben Lucas one of the partners there they did a very over the summer in London and in Europe they did a very interesting survey a kind of like a, a pulse of reg tech if you like and um, a lot of the talk in the industry earlier in the year had been around you know operational efficiency and cost savings and doing things you know mm-hmm. doing things better faster cheaper but, but the one consistent piece of uh, feedback they received if you look at the survey was fear of the regulator in other words reputational cost you know, and compliance damage from getting this wrong yeah. so in other words it was the stick leading the, as opposed to the carrot certainly yeah. the carrot if you can do things better faster cheaper that's great too but the fear of getting things wrong uh, from a regulatory perspective with some of the huge pieces of uh, 
compliance coming out like MIFID 2 and you know GDPR yeah, here in yeah, Europe next year yeah. I mean one of the guys uh, who was speaking that last week at the event he said uh, GDPR that's 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 next year's problem we worry about that next year January 3rd is coming up I'm MIFID 2 and at the time he was saying it was 13 weeks 13 weeks to go you know so people really focused around that and how can we identify issues around you know, fee disclosure all the MIFID reporting pulling together all the data sets which exist in systems that the big institutions are using potentially from before I was born you know, and uh, that's quite a long time ago. So yeah. how, how to aggregate all that and you'll get it ready for submission is so difficult. And uh, you're pulling that around with a technology team internally is, is a challenge. You know, some of the big European global financial institutions had over 25 MIFID two project teams in place. You know, 26 was actually the number I heard from wow. one of Europe's biggest banks. But so very, very difficult. And it was funny then, 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 then just, just, um, uh, last week going uh, or this week sorry gone past with the, with the blockchain summit kind of moving because that wasn't only reg tech specific obviously even though compliance was definitely a big piece of yeah. it it was a lot around use cases and implementation as well and one of the things that I really was thinking about was that on the reg tech side over the last year um, the industry of which we're a kind of founding member has set up the International Reg Tech Association yeah. which is great as an industry body which can face off with the regulator which can be potentially a source of places uh, a place that the larger financial companies can come, can come sure. to and say yeah we have an issue around something like CP86 in Ireland or some CSSF Luxembourg piece of regulation who are the providers you know in your directory we should speak to so that's been really good and what I was thinking like longer term around the, the blockchain for finance piece there's probably an opportunity to, to do something there as well I know yeah. I, I, I'm going to head up the, the blockchain working group within the IRTA for around how you know blockchain right. technology can be used to assist compliance but it was funny to see the difference because you can see reg tech things have advanced um, quite a bit over the last year whereas on the, on the on the blockchain side and how it impacts finance in particular <laughs> the banks have kind of pushed that a lot and on the fund side are kind of still working out what's the best platform to use and how should that work out I definitely think the IRTA is a, an amazing idea and creating an ecosystem where people can get in contact with the relevant people very quickly in regulation is going to be a huge impact moving forward as definitely. it continues to grow. Um, something else that I wanted to touch on just from the RegTech Summit, something that we get asked a lot ourselves, is some of the problems that people have trying to implement with these big, bigger financial institutions we're talking mm -hmm. about here. It's the legacy systems that they use. Yeah, of course, yeah. So. If you've got legacy systems, as you were saying, maybe 10, 15 years old, and you have- 30, 30 years, years old, yeah, old, absolutely, like, 40 years how, old. How do, you, how do you get around? So you're saying, don't lie to us that yeah. you can do this, you can yeah. integrate with this. We need clear facts. We, I just want, we want people to be honest yeah. with this. What pain are you solving? Can yeah. you do this? Can yeah. you integrate with this? Can you move this out rolling yeah. forward? Yeah, I, I know, I know what I, exactly. So it's better to be kind of genuine around potential kind of scalability of challenges. Course. Of course. Because one of the questions we always get asked is around, obviously security, data security yeah. is a huge one. Exactly. And, uh, and how that's managed. And normally, you know, with, with the partnerships we have in place, you can address that. But then the other side of it is interoperability. So in other words, can you receive and send data back and forward in whatever format, you know, on a, on a real-time basis to be able to speak to, to yeah. all these um, all these old Older, older pieces of technology. Yeah. As you as mentioned, if your solution is solving a problem, they will work with you to solve that problem, to solve yeah, that, yeah, those issues. Yeah. 
But if you lie to them and then you come down the road and, and then you've got a big stumbling block, then you're out. Yeah, I agree, And it I agree, can be yeah. detrimental to your company. Whereas just, just to go on to the blockchain piece for a second, yeah. the, the, the blockchain for finance conference was, was really interesting because it was getting into how this has been implemented by some of the major institutions. Yeah, so, so, so the likes of some of the global banks were talking about the kind of work they're doing and what they've set up, be it for like private equity, mm-hmm. you know, for trading and settlements, obviously on, on the banking side. But, and then also they had um, some of the, some of the, the head guys so the head guy from or three brian mcnulty and also from hyperledger brian benaldorf was there as well talking about what's coming down the pipe in terms of the future iterations of the product and where they would see the opportunity that they'd be able to kind of bring some uh, substantial you know increase in uh, efficiency to to the to the, to the financial world Absolutely. and that's what that's what we've seen so we as you know like when you joined we were looking at different pieces of blockchain and uh, technology mm-hmm. we tried one in particular that i won't name but that just was not stable enough to deploy with a real live client you know a production client with their compliance work no way so so but with hyperledger it being backed by ibm but also having the open source linux piece to it we we thought if, if you have the likes of the bank of england and the federal reserve over in boston the dtcc and swift all looking at this technology as part of the consortium then normally in financial services what the regulators even indirectly appear to endorse is normally what the in, uh, the industry moves towards so so that's that's interesting and i mean everyone's you know we have a close relationship with the sec over in the us and everyone's looking to see what their working group around blockchain will will bring out you know yeah, that, between absolutely. that and, and token sales around icos yeah. it's definitely an ongoing piece that people are waiting for whatever whenever that whenever because these areas are always regulated every new every new innovative piece of, of a financial instrument be they derivatives or around commodities you know around um you know etfs they all eventually uh, get pulled into quite a, a tighter piece of regulation so we're definitely not there yet on yeah. the blockchain or the, on the token sale ico side but it's, it's, it'll happen over the next couple of years without a doubt fantastic and we're definitely going to touch a little bit more on the ico and token sales a little bit later but another thing i wanted to talk to you about was um smart contracts people were we're talking about a, a little bit at the blockchain for finance contract um, conference and how we think that if, if that's going to actually if, block, if the blockchain is going to solve that problem or is it a is it a problem that um of consensus is, is the consensus is the problem with the smart contract or is it the actual contract itself on the chain well, that's be the problem? I, I think it kind of depends on, on the use case a little bit as well yeah i remember i met a private equity guy in new york and he said to me the problem with some of this blockchain stuff is that it's a hammer looking for a nail. Yeah. So we kind of need to lead by the problem that you're solving rather than here's a, here's a great piece of functionality. So, I mean, if you look at things like what the Irish funds body have done around uh, the regulatory reporting, so the quarterly reporting, it's called MMIF here in Ireland, yeah. that all the funds have to have, and fund administrators have to do. That was a very good use case working with Deloitte's Innovation Lab and some of the leading players like State Street and Deutsche, mm-hmm. etc. For, for a smart contract, something that they have to do, which was taking up a lot of manual time. You know, there was a lot of <clears throat> manual data points that had to be pulled together. There was just potentially some challenges around submission. So that, that, that was a really, that was causing real actual pain every month. And of course, or every quarter even, of course, that's a busy time for fund administrators anyway, because yeah. they're trying to pull together the NAV and the valuation. They've probably got a ton more reporting to do for investors as well. And uh, so, so those sort of use cases are perfect. I mean, I would see um, um, areas around the subscription and redemption, <coughs> excuse me, process around yeah. funds. And also now that we've moved over to the banking side, um, all expanding um, our solution into bank stress testing, which is a, seems to be a major pain point in the US and in Europe. That process behind pulling all the information together and the submission of it to the Federal Reserve or to the Bank, uh, Bank of England or uh, PRA in, in, in the UK, is there another really good use case for that kind of area? Okay, that's, that's fantastic. I think we're going to hit that one off. 
on the blockchain conferences and the RegTech Summit, and then we're going to move on to ICOs and the key trends and regulations around that. Okay, we're back with the Reg Technicians podcast, final part. We're going to be covering the big hype word right now around the world, ICOs, or for what we like to call it? Token sales. Why do we like to call it token sales? <laughs> because of the Blockchain for Finance <laughs> Conference this week, somebody came out to me and said, they're not initial initial coin offerings. That's, that's a bad word. They're token sales. <laughs> so I'll go with that. I'll go I'll with go that. There. Tell me, tell me what, what you, what's... what's ICO for dummies or token sales for dummies. Let's, let's break it down. Let's give people a little bit of a background on what ICOs are and what the philosophy of how these things work. Okay. So from our understanding, and we've been researching quite a lot this year, yeah. you know, it's a way for a company involved in blockchain primarily to raise money in a non-dilutionary way, which is obviously very attractive, for a kind of future growth of the company. So normally it's in some sort of a project. Yeah. So a lot of these are aspirational. So in other words, we have an idea for a decentralized, you know, beauty parlor network or something. Or, you it's supposed know, to be a PowerPoint. It's an idea. Yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. So quite a few we've seen, and certainly it's gone to the point, I think there's about 15 every day now. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's quite a lot. All these guys are issuing their own cryptocurrency coin. And with that, the idea is that that will uh, translate to a set number of an established currency uh, so the token itself might be, say, 5,000 tokens might be worth one Bitcoin or something like that. Mm -hmm. And Ethereum certainly seems to be the, 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 the go-to um, um, cryptocurrency around especially this. Right especially, especially, especially right now. Especially right now. Definitely. So, so with, with that, the idea is that then that the, uh, the, the, the project or the company in question will then put those tokens onto a, an exchange. So where they can be bought and sold, just like a, you know, a, a normal stock. And, uh, but, but of course, they're going to be quoted in, um, in, in Bitcoin or in whatever cryptocurrency is on there. So then um, the, the, the people who have invested can take their money out by you know, selling, the, selling the token just as you would a share. And then that will translate back into, into whatever the, the exchange rate is and also the value, of course, of the underlying token. And then they'll be able to take the money out. So that will change over time depending on how these companies perform in theory. There is another, another theory as well that says that you know, the people who buy these tokens will be very encouraged to see this project or company do well. So then potentially they can assist in kind of growing that. Mm -hmm. So a good example would be, you know, if you're launching a, something like, yes, like a piece of software, well then the people who buy those tokens will be motivated to, to see that a wider, there's a wider uptake or audience for the technology and then it gets better known because that will increase the value of the token. The key question and how this kind of ties back to RegTech is around how that's going to be monitored, regulated, managed, yep. authorized in the future. Because this is so new, it only it will only take one scandal from you know a mom and pops in Tennessee losing their life savings, reporting the New York Times, to, to, to I would no doubt warrant a backlash from regulators. Yeah, it's a gray area at the moment. Mm -hmm. You saw on July it was July twenty seventh, the uh, the SEC came out saying that some of these. Um, token issues potentially are um, securities, and if they're securities, then they're caught under the under the the wall or tsunami of uh, U.S. investment regulation. Yeah, exactly. Okay, fantastic. Um, so for people wanting to do some research and look into ICOs, is there any sort of credible resources that we can find? Because our problem has been trying to find industry experts in something so new. Yeah, right? sure, it's sure. Very, very difficult. We've, we've come across a couple of different places we can look to get some decent information yeah, about these things. Definitely. I mean, I saw quite a few business cards at the blockchain conference this week, which had obviously been changed recently to say now ICO <laughs> advisor, <laughs> probably from fintech advisor like last week. But yeah, but no, I agree. Like, so, so 
the there's, there's there's a lack of you know professional services experts out there that would have more than twelve months experience because it just yeah. wasn't around. So I mean we 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 like the uh, looking at um the uh, Stella, Stellar's website. Yeah. That has got some good kind of standard templates on there. They have a lot of experience. So what we can see experience around managing this process. Certainly we've learned a lot from that. CoinDesk is obviously very good. That's one of the of standard you know kind of go to places. And Cointelegraph as well, so that they're all around the latest trends coming out of the industry, what China's doing now, what they've banned, you know, what's happening in South Korea, South Korea you know, exactly. which which exchanges have moved potentially to Japan, and um, so that that's really interesting. I, if you look at the U.S. market, there's probably you know sixty to seventy hedge funds over there that are uh, are cryptocurrency focused. So they're the kind of guys who are wondering what's the, the opportunity for investing in you know, token sales or ICOs and, and, and how that might work. Yep. In terms of setting one up, I've seen people try to say you can do it for a few thousand dollars, maybe on the tech side, but the actual legal um, jurisdictional and you know uh, governance questions around that, I think you're talking about an average of $200,000. So yeah. definitely not cheap. And you'll see some, some countries in particular I see this week even Gibraltar are bringing out a new regime for ICOs on January the 1st. So Switzerland seemed to be ahead of the game there and also the Isle of Man. So the, um, it hasn't been the, the US regulators that have pushed this to date. They're more playing a kind of a wait and see and watch approach. And I think people now who are going to actually go into ICOs and take, take that plunge, they think in the future it's going to be regulated, obviously. So you've got a short window here, right? Mm-hmm. I think the best thing for people to do to be able to uh, mitigate that risk in the future is to be able to record the whole process and, and be transparent around this. Well, well, that's the thing, exactly. Even though there might be no official investment rules yeah. from, a, from a certain regulator, it doesn't mean that if you as an investor don't want to have some sort of best practice or governance structure exactly. around your investment. Exactly. I mean, you know, if, if me and you make a personal agreement to go and buy, you know, something, and like, go and buy five laptops, yeah. you know, I, I want to know how much I'm putting right, in yeah. and what you're going to do with the money, you know? Exactly. If I start seeing on Facebook that you're out at the time that weekend, yeah. I've, I'm starting to get worried, you know. So, but so, the, so there definitely needs to be the governance structure around that. Yeah. We've often seen that even with our own solution, you have the, 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 all the tasks which have been managed as the kind of the, the regulatory baseline. So, in other words, the EU rules, Australia, maybe what's happening yeah. in the US. But then you've got the internal company's best practice. You know, their kind of group policies. So we haven't got the regulatory advice certainly in some of the big um, uh, jurisdictions like the EU or the US, but there's certainly governance standards starting to come in place around best practice for how these she should be administered. You know, whether you should have an ESCO account, some sort of quasi trustee to oversight yeah. things. What you're actually going to spend the money on? I was looking at one one white paper yesterday from an ICO. They had one bar chart that, that literally my six year old could have pulled together yeah, it's, it's to say what the use of the funds were. I was like, papers, aren't they? God, his white papers are some of them are just ridiculous. Bad, so 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 I think there's going to be a shakeout with that without a doubt, and the ones that are regulated properly that do attract alternative investors properly, you know, to put in multiple millions, etc., will ones that have a much higher standard of governance because that's the way every other freewheeling new financial innovation has gone over time, you know. Okay. I think that's that's it for me. Is there anything else you'd like to add to in this podcast, Shane? Oh, that's great. Really enjoyed speaking to you and certainly looking forward to, to, to doing a few of these on a regular basis. Yeah. Loads of other interesting things happening in this space from Hong Kong to Australia to Singapore. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, so we'll, we should touch on all that stuff in the future as well. If you want to catch up in the meantime, just follow us on uh, social media, get from governments on pretty much everything. And uh, you can catch up with what we're doing day to day. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.